Well, as I uh, have been talking, and if you're joining us online, I want to thank you for joining us online. I've had uh, <clears throat> emails from New Zealand say that they watch Willow Park Church and like to do that. Isn't that nice? So uh, at this point, I'd like to put on a New Zealand accent, but at that point, you'd probably switch off. Uh, but thank you. And for those of you that are checking us out in Kelowna and watching us online, come and visit us. You'll find that we are uh, a really friendly bunch. Well, we are, and, um, and, and enjoy the service, and I know that God, uh, God will bless you. Uh, we've been talking about follow the cloud, and the first week I spoke about the importance that God never reveals the whole story. God speaks in sentence. He does not speak in paragraphs or chapters. We would all like God to give us the end of the story, right? We'd all like the spoiler, And yet we know that as we follow God's leading in our life, it is a walk of faith. That we know that this walk of faith is with us, step by step, bit by bit, and that he reveals his purpose in our lives. And this is tough at times. Because sometimes it's like God speaks to us and he won't be quiet. And other times he's really quiet. And sometimes we want to have an answer And we're not getting the answer. But we have to be faithful in our journey with the Lord. And we know that that, that change is very much part of the journey. And what God was doing with the people of Israel, he was taking them from, from slavery to the promised land. But more than that, they were on a pilgrimage, if you like. And that pilgrimage was where God was teaching them to no longer think like a slave, but was teaching them to follow God and to know that he is a provider, that he's the God that cares, that he's the God that loves, that he's the God that is with them, that he's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is their provider. And what you discover is, is that the God who never changes is the God who is always working on you to see change happen in our lives. And so we realize God will never allow you to always remain the same. His relentless love refuses to allow you to settle. Have you experienced that? It's like you become a Christian and things become more uncomfortable than they were before. Somebody says to me, oh, it's so great being a Christian. I love it, but I've never had so many problems. And hallelujah, that's encouraging, isn't it? Even, the, even the, I was teaching the pursuit school students in their day school. And I was talking to them and they were saying, oh, exactly that. I became a Christian and I, this changed in my life. And that Jesus became real to me. And it's so wonderful. But now I'm battling with all of these areas of my life that I know need to be changed. Well, let me just tell you something. Uh, I hope this is good news. God's not going to give up on you. And he's going to keep working on you. And his relentless love wants to keep changing our character. Because we are saved. We are being saved. And we will be saved. And that is the work of sanctification, that we are being transformed into the likeness of Christ. But change is a difficult thing. People do not like change. And I find that human beings are some of the hardest to change, yeah? You know, you live with him. You know what 
What is going on? You've been praying for that issue for 40 years and change hasn't happened. The prayers of a righteous wife. And you keep praying. And guys, the truth is, if we're going to see change, and I'll explain this in our lives, if we're going to see true change in our lives, then it starts with us submitting ourselves to God. We do not like change. But God loves it. Why don't we like change? Because we like to be comfortable. And often the area in which we are comfortable, God likes to shake. I mean, I remember when I first became a Christian, my attitudes, my thoughts, the way that I thought, the the emotions that I have got, uh, how God has so changed me to the man that I am today. But I have to step in to what God is doing on the journey. See, we have this little verse here that says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Do you know, I think we theologically understand this, but this little phrase, the old has gone, is sometimes the most difficult phrase for us to live with, isn't it? Because we know we're forgiven, we know God has changed us, we know we've been born again, we know we've had a radical experience with the Lord Jesus Christ, and we know that it's all under the cross, it's all under his blood, it's all under this wonderful work of redemption, but very often the old is still a battle within our lives. You see, God's relentless love is that he's saying, I want you to become that new creation. I want to lead you. I want to guide you. So what happens that we battle so much with the old? And that is one reason in our vision statement, we are a redeemed life, we're an empowered life, we're activated and we're listening, that within the empowered, in our document, our vision document, we talk a lot about personal inner sanctification, that we are becoming like Christ, that Christ is changing us, and that Christ is working within our lives. Christ wants to change you. He wants that the old man should die and the new man should live. But this is, this is tough. This is tough. And the, 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 the nation of Israel had to move from slavery into, into freedom. And they had to follow the cloud. And as they followed the cloud, they ended up at a certain spot, which we, the Red Sea. And as they were there by the Red Sea, something happened to the nation of Israel. Very simply, they got stuck. They were stuck. And one of the most difficult things we face in our spiritual life is that we are in danger of becoming stuck in our spiritual life. Stuck in the same spot. Stuck never moving. Stuck in that quagmire. Stuck in that 
that quicksand, stuck in that peat bog where you can't move. You're trying to move forward, but you are stuck because you no longer know what to do, which way to move. And at that moment, the Egyptian army is coming towards them. They can hear the noise of the chariots rattling. They can hear the cries of the enemy, and they know that they're in trouble because they are stuck. And the reason they are stuck is very simple, is because they've simply stopped following what God is doing and they've given in to fear. And we have to ask ourselves the question in our own spiritual lives, have we become stuck? Where are you in your spiritual journey? Where are you in that journey? They can hear the enemy coming. They can hear the enemy at work. But you know, the, 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 the victory has been won. The battle has been won. The Egyptians have been defeated. Do you remember the plagues? Do you remember the great move of God? Do you remember the release as Ramses II lets the people go? God has won the victory. Even though God has won the victory and God is leading them and God is with them, they still feel like they are completely stuck within their lives. But it's interesting that the only... The only technique the enemy can use as he's chasing the Israelites is intimidation. Because the battle has been won. And this is what the enemy wants to do in our lives. He wants to intimidate us. He wants to tell us the battle has not been won. He wants to intimidate us and make us feel like we are stuck. Make us feel like we cannot move forward. He wants to drive us to that point. But I want to remind you very simply, your enemy has already been defeated. He only has the authority to bark, not to bite, because you are a child of the living God and he has delivered you from Egypt and you are part of his chosen people and God utterly and completely loves you but the enemy intimidates you. And the Egyptians are coming. You can see what the response of the Lord was. Uh, why are you crying out to me? <laughs> why are you panicking? Why are you crying out to me? That's a good question. Don't you know I'm in control? Did I just send plagues? Didn't I just defeat the oldest and the greatest kingdom of all history? Didn't I move in power and turn the Nile to blood? Didn't I come with mighty locusts and come with judgment? And weren't you saved by the blood on the doorposts as the angel of death came out? And now here you are. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the waters so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I love this verse. Why are you crying out to me? It's really simple. Tell them to move on. And I think that is the phrase. That is the phrase that God speaks to each of our hearts to have a successful, dynamic, spiritual life. 
to move on. You may have a Red Sea in front of you. You may have a problem that you feel you can't cope with. You may feel like you are pressed in on every side and the enemy is intimidating you. But the word of the Lord is move on. The word of the Lord is to trust the scripture. The word of the Lord is to trust God. The word of the Lord is to believe that God is able, that God is with you, that God loves you. And you see, the cloud hadn't stopped moving, but the people had stopped. They had become stuck at where they were as they faced that problem. And there is a danger for all of us that we do not move on. The truth is this, though, that all of us know the areas we should move on in. You know what needs to change, don't you? You're being very quiet this morning. You know what part of your character needs to be adjusted. You know where you need to change in your life. You know where you need to move on. You are aware of this as I am aware of this. And, and I don't need always God to tell me because God has given me the greatest gift in my wife uh, to tell me. That there are areas where I need to move on. That I'm facing a Red Sea but with God... And his authority, I can move on. The enemy can't hold me back. He can only intimidate me, but I can move on to what God has for me. Sometimes desperation becomes the greatest motivator to moving on. That you realize that where you're at is not where you should. And now your world is starting to unravel. And you know that it's time for you to move on with God and take the next step. It's time for you to deal with that issue in your life. That character flaw that you've been living with. That you've been battling with. That bitterness that you won't let go of. That attitude of of frustration and deep anger that is rooted in our lives. Whatever the issue is, the truth is that if we don't deal with it with the Lord, often we face a situation where we become desperate and God uses that desperation to make a difference in our lives. God going to stop holding on to that thing we're trying to hold on to. A couple of years ago, my wife bought me and my kids a birthday present. It was a little manicure set for my nails and for my, particularly my toenails. It's a terrible thing, being a runner. And, and it was a little box and in it was a a file. Do you like that? File. I've got it here. File. There were some scissors. There were some large toe clippers. Because, sorry, too much information. 
a lovely little box, and it was designed so that when I travel, I suppose I can manicure myself. There was also a little buffer, something, little thing that I don't fully understand, where you have to push something down here, right? Oh, it's very exciting. You can see how much my family loved me. And so they gave me this, and I went off to Africa. And I'm traveling with my travel kit, and I travel through Kelowna Airport, no problem. I travel through Calgary Airport, no problem. I travel through one of the biggest airports in the world, London, Heathrow, no problem. I get to Kenya, and they're like, what's that? mine. And they open it up and they look at the four implements or three. And they go, I'm afraid uh, that's a present off my family. So we have to remove the file. Because you can, that's deadly that is. So I'm, no, no, no. Oh, I can do without the file. It's really the toe clippers. Um, <laughs> Then I come flying to Mwanza, and as I fly out, I go through security. What's this? Scissors. And little tiny scissors. Thank you, sir. We'll take these. No, this was bought off my family. I get to Nairobi, I go through another checkpoint. What's this? I said, well, I believe you do it with your follicles and you move this. And uh, Sorry, sir, you can't have that. And they removed that. I'm going, no, you're not having it. No. Suddenly, security appear around me. (laughs) Sir, would you mind coming over here? I was led this way. I was intimidated by a rather large lady. (laughs) He was clearly part of the Kenya revolution. With a gun, explaining to me, will you please hand over what was now an empty box with a little follic thing in. I said, this is mine. No, mine. No, mine. (sighs) Okay. You can have it. And I went back to Canada with an empty box. I was so mad. I was so frustrated. I argued. I can be argumentative. I argued with the officials until the guns came out. For about, for about 40 minutes. I'd had enough. I said, I have been through Kelowna. Have you not heard of Kelowna? I've been through Calgary. It's where they ride horses. I've been through London. Did you realize how important? Okay. You know, sometimes it's ridiculous, and that was stupid, I guess. And those of you at work at the airport, God bless you. But I didn't want to let go. But when God starts to work in our lives, what we have to realize is that there are things in our lives we just have to let go of. There are areas we just have to change. 
There are things that we've got to be willing to say, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But actually, I really do want to change. And there's often that we have to decide that there's a new way of speaking. That even as change happens, we need to learn to speak in a new way. You see, the Israelites didn't believe. They were moaning. They were grumbling. They were groaning. They had three choices. They could either go back to Egypt and become slaves again. They could stand and fight and lose that battle. Or they could trust God, that God had a plan, that God was in charge and that God would bring them through. But they had to let go of their unbelief and they had to believe that God was going to bring them through the darkest point of their life at that moment. And God will bring you through. But you've got to move on. And often it's, oh, never, never, never works out for me. It never works out for me in my life. These things always happen to me. They always go wrong. We always have problems. We always in this situation. We're always... You don't know, Pastor Phil. I always have these difficulties. Never goes right. Let me tell you something. According to Matthew 28, verse 20, the only always we should have is that surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's the only always we should have. Not, I'm always, I'm always failing, I'm always struggling. I'm always this. I'm always that. (laughs) Turn it around and know that God is always with you. Never works out for me. You don't know my history. I never get what I'm looking for. I'm never there. No, the never is never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Never will I leave you. Dear friends... God's not going to abandon you. He's not going to leave you. But we have to be willing to step out. We have to be willing to look at our lives. We have to be willing to say, well, what is making my marriage a problem? What areas do I need to change in my relationships? Why do I have the same repeating problem at work? Why do I need this to happen? Lord, I am willing to change and to step out. We need to take God out of our little box. Christmas is coming. Fantastic. That means living nativity is coming. It means, oh, it's going to be awesome. But uh, before that, we've got uh, Halloween, which we're not into. Uh, but we run our fall festival. By the way, we gave away 26,000 sweets, little candies last year. Had over 1,000 Uh, children come through this building and we decorated something like 36 doors for them to knock on. Just a little encouragement. We too will need candies yet again. It's the season of giving. Candies and then 20,000 cookies. It's fantastic. If you're new to Willow Park Church, welcome. But we're going to have a great fall. But the thing that frustrates me about Christmas the most is I take the Christmas tree out of the box 
But when it comes to taking the Christmas tree and putting it down into the box, it's like all the laws of physics work against me and I can't get the Christmas tree back into the box. Does that happen to you? I think the danger is, is that we have so limited God to putting God in a box that we forget how deep and how wide and how amazing his love is for you. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power to grasp how wide, how long, how deep his love of Christ, is the love of Christ. Let me take it forward for a moment into the New Testament and Jesus to really capture what I'm trying to communicate this morning as I finish. Many of you will know the story in John chapter 6 of the man on the mat. It's a strange story in the, the Gospels because an angel comes down at, um, at the pool, Bethsaida, and stirs the waters and those who are uh, disabled, those that are ill, those that are sick, try and get into the water to get healed. It's quite a, uh, an interesting story at Bethsaida. And of course, uh, the colonnades, and there's this image we have, and we can see the water, we can see the sick and the needy, and the poor, and they're waiting for a miracle. They're waiting for things to change. They're waiting for something to take place. And Jesus walks into this place and notices a man who has been there for 38 years. 38 years. That is a long time. And as... Jesus comes to him. Here is a great number of disabled people used to lie and the blind and the lame and the paralyzed. Verse 5. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. 38 years of no movement. 38 years of no dreams. 38 years of no future. 38 years of no plans. 38 years of no hope. Imagine this person's utter Pain. And when Jesus saw him lying there, learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? What a strange question. 38 years, but do you want to get well? 38 years. You see, he'd been on that mat for 38 years and now Jesus enters his life and says, do you want to get up from that mat and do you want your world to change? I prayed with the pastor on a prayer line when I spoke at the pastor's conference came forward. He spoke about the time he'd been a senior pastor in a church. It had gone badly. The board had dismissed him. He went through the story about the pain and the bitterness. He knew that the church then entered a difficult period. It went down in attendance. He was confessed to me on the prayer line. He was glad about that. 
He was sorry, but he kind of vindicated what he'd been through. He said that he was invited back for all the pastors of the church at a big reunion, and the church is now doing well. And he really, after listening to me speak, he said, I really want to just confess and release the hurt and the bitterness and the anger that I felt. Would you lead me in that prayer, Pastor? I felt honored he was an older man than myself. I grabbed his hand and I held his hand and he was, you know, had a soft old hands, but a broken heart. I said, let's release this pain. Let's release this anger, this profound disappointment. I said, how many years ago did this happen? He said, it's happened 40 years ago. I said, how old are you? He said, I'm 86. You can hold on to something for decades if you don't let Jesus heal your heart. You can hold on to the broken friendship, the broken relationship. You can sit on that mat and never move on. You can sit on that mat and you can keep being full of anger. You can sit on that mat and you can cause all kinds of things to happen. But you're on that mat and you're not willing to get up from that mat. And the truth is, when Jesus comes, he will always ask you about your mat. And say these words, do you want to get well? Do you want to change? Do you want to be transformed? Do you want to experience the power of God? Do you want to let that go in your life? Do you want to stand up? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me in the pool when the water is stirred while I am trying to get in. Someone else goes down ahead of me. Excuses. (laughs) It's too busy. It's too much. I can't move. Sometimes the shackles that hold us are so familiar to us that we're not willing to release them. Sometimes we like our mat and we're not willing to let that mat go in our lives. Sometimes we realize that the question Jesus asks is, do you want to get well? Do you want to change? I don't know what your mat is. I know what my mat is. The truth is every one of us knows the next step in our character which God wants to work in our lives. But the point is, are we willing for God to work in that next step? What is that thing in your character? What is that mat? We have a nice little mat here. Look at this. It's supposed to be designed to keep me from not wandering around (laughs) as if. Um, So they throw the lights all over so they can catch me on the cameraman. Sorry. And he fills off again. He's he's doing the Pentecostal walk. He's off. I just can't stand still. Sometimes you've got to get off the mat. 
All right, Chris? Um, I know you agree with me. The familiar of the shackles is often more comforting than the unknown of freedom. Christ wants you to be free from the slavery and the tyranny of sin. He wants you to be free. I think we'll finish there. And you're going, whew. So what is your next step? You see, this is why we run Set Free. Uh, and I teach it. Because although Set Free is a place where you don't tell your story, you don't let everybody know about your dirty washing, it's a place where I teach you about breaking strongholds, about bringing down areas of our lives. Jesus Christ has won the battle, but sometimes the battlefield is full of minefields that need to be swept and cleared because sometimes people step on them and they create a lot of problem in your life. And that's why we encourage people to do set free. And that's why sanctification is a big part of our church vision because we believe that a true follower of Christ is being transformed into the image and the character of Jesus Christ. So the simple question today is, what is the mat that you are sat on? And are you willing to let go and let God What is the next step for you in this journey? Hallelujah. And this is good news, by the way. Because this is the power of the cross. And the power. Fear should not hold us back. But devotion to Christ carries us forward. May I ask you to stand, please? As the musicians come and get ready, can I ask you to just be a moment with Christ and ask yourself the question in terms of moving forward. We've asked a lot of questions from the Gospels in this series. The first question was of Peter in John 4, Matthew 4, 19. Jesus said to Peter, come follow me and I will make you fishermen of men. And the key phrase I wanted to pick up on, I will make you. From John 1 verse 39, we picked up last week where he spoke to disciples and he said, come and follow me and you will see where I'm going. So Christ will make you, but you've got to be willing to come and follow him and to see what he's doing. And the third question of this series is, from the Gospels, do you want to get well? Do you want God to do that in your life and to make that move? Do you want to get well? Heavenly Father, as we sing this final song, I pray that your spirit will descend in this building 
and that you will show each one of us our next step to going deeper with you. Our next step to being obedient as we follow the cloud. Our next step for change that happens, that we're willing to step away from the mat. In Jesus' name, amen.